1: In this episode, we will be discussing Chapter 14 of American Baby, and we will bring on our guest, Revi Shockett. You can find the timestamp for that in our show notes if you'd like to jump ahead. Thank you.
0: Hello. So today we are discussing Chapter 14 of American Baby by Gabrielle Glazer, this Chapter is titled, You Are a Man, and it's all about David slash Stephen and
1: yeah.
0: him maturing into a teenager.
1: Oh, and Sarah, guess what? I think the votes are in. Oh, yes, yes, yes. We have a book. Yeah, we have a book. We're going to be doing The Baby Thief, all about the Georgia Tan era. It's yes, by Barbara. The untold yes.
0: Story of Georgia Tan. Barbara. The baby Bazant. seller who corrupted adoption.
1: Barbara Raymond. How do you say her middle name? Bar- her Barbara Bazant Raymond, I think. Is FaZe so, silent? I don't know. No, I don't know either. But that's we're we'll figure yeah. it out and we're excited Our, to read it. We
0: tallied up the votes. And then second, a close second was the girls who went away, which my mom mm-hmm. sent to us. So yes. we will get to that book as well at some point. But yes, yeah. the baby thieves. So who when everyone is listening. Order your book. Yeah. You
1: have just a couple weeks. All right. Well, digging into you're a man. You are a man. It's uh, it's sad. David, David had a lot of anger stuff come out mostly against his adopted mother. Against Esther. Yeah.
0: And also, so he obviously, he did a lot of self-soothing with food. Yeah. And which then really triggered Esther, you know, who would Push him to eat healthier, and you know, just this constant battle, constant
1: food battle. Where I could, mm-hmm. I was reading it, thinking, "Oh God, it's so stressful." Like, for the- <laughs> stop!
0: Don't do that. That's the worst right? thing you could do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and they battled. He still was close to his father,
0: mm-hmm.
1: his adopted father. He really looked up to him. Found out he was a rabbi. Didn't know he's rabbi. His father wasn't a braggart or anything like that. And then the sad part that happens for David is he loses his biological father.
0: They had gone to Israel to try to get his a second opinion about his heart, and he died before they could get the surgery. So, and that David kind of, was yeah. not there. So really, he lost the person yeah. he felt the, the one closest. person.
1: Yeah. yeah, he had an interesting life. I mean, he really ended up. He went to Israel, lived there. Joined the army,
0: they didn't put him because of weight and a couple, a few other things. They put him more on the administrative side. Yeah, he was starting to service. already have
1: the diabetes, and he was downing cokes all the time. I was like reading it yes, that thing. Yes,
0: right, the diabetes. Yes, <laughs> because
1: isn't it originally the, like he had the diabetes quenching yes. thirst
0: because of diabetes, which he would then try to quench his thirst with Coca Cola. Uh
1: huh, the absolute <laughs> worst
0: thing you can do. I mean, I felt like bad the for, worst thing. Yes, you can the worst do. thing you could do. <laughs> Maybe you... Mountain Dew would be worse, but <laughs> and they mourned. Their mourning processes were so different. Like they did it alone together, right? Like yeah, Esther really fell apart. Completely. Did not rise to the occasion no. to help David through it. Right. Oh, no, she, she was like, was like a, in her empty. own grief. Like there was nothing.
1: And he had his was based in humor and anger. Mm-hmm. He and he dealt with it with yes, food, food. <laughs> food, food, humor and anger, which I could see is just that pushing it all down. Yeah. And then she left. Right. I think that after she high leaves. school,
0: like, I mean, mm-hmm. she stayed, stayed through his high school. He went to university of Toronto. She went to Israel to be with her sister. Mm-hmm. And then it was funny how he in- attended that hockey camp, right? And he yeah. he was offered by the Rangers to be a goalie, and he turned it down, <laughs> thinking great. it would disappoint Esther. Yeah.
1: He's like an incredible hockey player. Just a camp, and they're like, "Come on and play for the Rangers," right? Which is like, like a boy's dream. A young yeah, dream. and
0: but also following in George, his biological yeah. father's footsteps with sports and athleticism, and and also yeah. following in the fact that he didn't do it and. That he didn't do it. Nor
1: did George. Yeah. But I know the correlations are fascinating. The back and forth of what's going on with their lives and who he is. It's like, you just want them to know each other mm-hmm. to talk about this stuff.
0: Then he goes to Israel, mm-hmm. joins the army, even though the diabetes yeah, kept him I, w- from really active. He was more on the administrative side. He had diabetes, drinking all the Cokes. One thing I didn't know is that you can be that if you have a Jewish grandparent, you can yeah. get Israeli citizenship. I yeah. never knew that.
1: I didn't either. That's actually something I learned. I always thought you had to have be born in Israel.
0: Right. No. Yeah, no. they're really,
1: it's more about the heritage. He also was blind a little bit, which I thought well the diabetes, from the diabetes temporarily right? blind. Oh, is it temporarily? Then, temporarily blind. Yeah. Yeah, because I wondered how he was like continuing on with school and all of that. Yeah, it um, was just
0: a temporary blindness from the diabetes, from all those giant cokes he would drink yeah. to quench his thirst.
1: That's kind of where he came into his own. He loved his guy thing. It was Gilad, is that how you say it? The-
0: yeah. So he joined this group, an Israeli group that kind of became a brotherhood for him yeah, pretty far right pretty yeah. far, he was pretty far right his roommate was pretty far left and they just yeah. decided not to talk, talk about politics
1: it. yeah he had a like a longing in what how I kind of read into that is he so needed to belong to something like an mm-hmm. organization like he was looking to belong and lead right it's like i feel like a lot of adoptees in general kind of go through that you know chameleon thing like right the searching his life you know, it ends
0: with it saying kind of his life was filling up and his Gilad operated like a tight-knit family. Nobody questioned anybody's motives. His singing was becoming renowned. And his adoption in Israel was no secret. And his male friends believed that it was nothing he thought about. So because he acted tough, right? Yeah. But when he was with his female friends, he mm-hmm. would confide in them that he hoped to find his birth mother. But he didn't want to disappoint Esther. Didn't want to disappoint Esther
1: which is kind of just the story of adoptees. Mm -hmm.
0: The story of adoptees taking care of other feelings. You know, in a way though, it is taking care of our own because you think about the fear is that our adoptive parents will get upset and leave. So therefore, you know, it is kind of like, oh, we have to keep ourselves safe.
1: There was something that was said to me yesterday. I'm trying to remember that. Well, and we've talked about this in any kind of trauma. Even in the hands of something bad, you'll cling to the safe, Mm
0: -hmm. like
1: whatever it is, an abuser or fear of being left. You'll still you won't go on a limb because it's better. The devil, you know, right? the devil, you know, the
0: devil, you know, Mm -hmm. which also what to conclude this chapter. What was especially poignant is David was around the age of the time when Margaret was on the stoop of (laughs) Louise Weiss. Yes. You know, and they just shut
1: her out. And that was kind
0: of when she was like, all right, well, there's nothing I can do. I've done everything I can. Right around the time he started thinking about it. So
1: all the years they could have had together. I know. Well. Well, we'll
0: see you in a few minutes with Revy. Revy, yes. Okay, see you soon. See you soon. Hello, here we are with another guest. I'm really excited to talk to you because I don't think... We have really talked to anybody with your scenario, which I know is an open, was an open adoption. So I want to dive into that. That said, we are meeting with one of our Patreons, Ribi Shocket. She's coming to us from Ellicott City, Maryland, East Coast. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So glad to be here. <laughs> so glad thank you are here. I was thinking back, like, have I don't think we have had anyone that's nope. had an open adoption.
1: No. I don't think we have yeah. either. Yeah. Do you know how many people about you've had? So
2: Sixty-five, far? right? Or oh, sixty? Sixty, yeah. So a yeah. few episodes were not. Mm-hmm. I know it's you know more of a rare thing, the open adoption, but I'm surprised there hasn't been any yet. So this is this is even more exciting. Yeah.
0: So what were the circumstances? Where were you born? Just dig in right away and tell us.
2: Born not too far from here, in in Baltimore, Maryland, at uh, St. Agnes Hospital, and so my birth mother. You know, went through it. I mean, she, I guess we're going to start off on the darker side. She, she has been an addict since she was pretty much a preteen. So she didn't really have much of a chance as far as getting her life together. She had me when she was 23 years old. My birth father, I think, was 40 at the time. So there was a big, Mm -hmm. big age there. There was actually, I forget, there are two different scenarios, like how my birth family and adoptive family kind of knew each other. I think they had, the same like really distant cousins on one end. And then my birth father played pool a lot. So he ended up playing pool with a lawyer that was doing an adoption case or, or no, he was a lawyer. And the my birth dad was talking about wanting, you know, giving me up for adoption. And they ended up saying, oh, I know this couple that's looking. And then they got together. So through playing pool is how this came about, <laughs> Yeah. Louise and I met playing pool. That's right. I was going to say, oh, awesome. that's, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, no, I, mean, I love it too. I'm really good at geometry. So. Excellent. So were your parents together as a couple at the time? Yes, they were together. They met, I think she, I think my birth mother was a waitress, maybe at the pool hall <laughs> where my dad played pool. So they ended up meeting, they got together. They weren't married at the time. They ended up getting married, I think hmm. two, or three years after I was born. Did they stay married? They did not stay married. <laughs> no, not for long, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Your adoptive parents,
0: they did not have children. So they were looking to adopt.
2: Yeah. They weren't able to have children. I never went into detail with them about that, but uh, they weren't able to have children. Yeah. Oh, they, they didn't have they since shared stuff with you? Not really. I think my adoptive parents and I have a very complicated relationship. They've oh. never been really open in talking about many things as far as their personal history and the adoptive stuff. I think when when I was in middle school about, I think I had some questions about things and I never felt safe enough to really ask more and like dive deeper into it. So mm-hmm. yes, yeah, so it's just been complicated. Did they have other adoptive children? No, I'm the only oh, one. Okay. So you're
1: the, yeah.
0: Okay. So going back, so your birth father says to this lawyer, hey, I we need to give up this baby for adoption. And then What happened next?
2: As far as I know, they ended up meeting my adoptive parents and they clicked. And I think they were pretty desperate to give me up for adoption. And I actually know that my birth mother considered abortion. And let's see, her sister and the sister's husband convinced her almost like right before she went in to have an abortion, like, no, you probably shouldn't. And they're, you know, firm, you know, believers in God. And like, they just weren't for that. And yeah. So here I am. Here I am. <laughs> Do you keep up with like the family, you know, as you said, her sister,
1: the aunt and any of those people?
0: You were in an open adoption. So mm-hmm. you kept in touch throughout
2: your life. Correct. Like, yeah. So I would go, I remember going over periodically, like maybe once every couple of years growing up. So it'd be like, you know, a cookout here and there, you know, so I, I, I remember meeting my, I have a nephew who's actually similar maybe 2 years younger than i am. My birth dad had two children. So they had kids and then i remember playing with them cuz we were around the same age. Mhm. Yeah.
1: How has it been? Like how's that going with your family? Your biological family?
2: It's actually been really great. I mean, again, complicated stuff here and there with the birth family as well, but i've always felt closer to my birth family like when i would be around them. We had similar personalities, similar sense of humor. Music is in our blood. So I feel like we related on that level as well. And my birth mother unfortunately passed away about six years ago.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Was, yeah. How did they present this to you growing up? So your, yeah. your adoptive parents were shut off to some extent from what you're saying. Yeah. It was an open adoption so obviously they must have told you this okay this is your these are your birth parents did you
2: ever wonder like or ask them why am i not living with them why what's going on I don't remember asking them that I know that my adoptive mom incorporated my birth story into a bedtime story when i was little so it kind of i just always knew that i was adopted and i can't remember it you know word for word it was a short story about you know a little girl in heaven waiting to be born and she saw you know, everyone else being born, going to their parents. And she said, oh, why? You know, it looks like I have two mommies and two daddies. Like, you know, what's going on? And, oh, well, this is, these are the people that are going to get, you know, give birth to you. And these are the people that are going to raise you. And it was just always a really sweet story growing up. And I appreciated the way that she did that.
1: Comforting. And so when you were go over for the barbecues or whatever, would they come with you? Like, how does that work?
2: Oh, yeah, they, they would... came
1: with me. Yeah. And were they open with, like, so they're not that open with you with questions and answers, as Sarah was saying, but what, when they were at this, were they open with your birth mother or your biological dad? How did they, or did they stand off? Like, how does that work? I'm just curious.
2: It seemed like. I feel like my mom, it's really hard for her to dive deep into conversations, but she's she's really surface level and she jokes around a lot. That's kind of her coping mechanism. So she, you know, like sarcasm and all that. So mm-hmm. she'd be totally fine joking around with them, but I never remember any like real conversations when they were around other than I look just like my birth mom and it was just a, a
1: unknown thing.
0: How was it with you and your birth mom? I mean, I imagine the early years, you know, you as you got older and started to understand it on a on mm-hmm. another level
2: was there did anger surface and there was anger that surfaced but i think it was more because i knew that she was an addict i was frustrated with her because you know we we did actually end up getting becoming really close when i was about 18 and i wanted to call her all the time we talked on the phone a lot actually and then the anger would come from me you know if i wanted to tell her something you know call her no answer, no answer, no answer, no answer. And then she would be, you know, days or weeks before she called me back. And then as soon as she called me back, it was like nothing ever happened. So I think I started to become resentful. I guess I wasn't respecting my boundaries maybe, like as far as, uh, you know, I just kind of let things slide with her because I I don't know if I felt bad for her or whatever, but I just really, really, really enjoyed having that relationship, even if it was here and there with her.
1: Yeah, I can sense a sadness from you. It's, I mean, addi- I it. yeah, no, I it. <laughs> I'm not going to cry, The addiction's heartbreaking, you know, because there's the person and then there's the addiction and I'm sure it was really hard for her too.
2: Yeah, And you could tell that she's such a, she was such a good person. And it just, that addiction just totally took over, totally took over.
1: Yeah,
0: it does. It's a horrible, horrible affliction. Did she ever get sober
2: at any point? Like couldn't string together any time? I mean, I want to say she was sober while I while she was pregnant with me, but I'm not 100% sure. I mean, I don't think, as far as my adoptive mom told me, I don't think there was anything that they knew of that, you know, because I think some babies would come out like like withdraw. And mm-hmm. like. so I think, I don't think that happened, but... uh, That's a lot. Just that. I mean... Yeah. yeah. So back to the anger thing with her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I was like 18, 19, I remember saying to her, you know, I got to a point where I was like, I, you know, I don't ever want to talk. I don't want to have a relationship with you if you can't be sober. And at that time, I think it was more drinking. So it was more alcohol. And then I think I didn't hear from her for a little while. And then I did. And then I feel like she told me she was sober, but I don't know if I ever fully believed it. Did she have any other kids? No. So
0: your only siblings are your birth father's older yeah, we, and we're about,
2: do you have a relationship with them? I did at one point. I have a better relationship with my sister, so it's a sister and a brother. The brother also has, you know, drug issues, so we're kind of here and there. But the sister, you know, we're pretty cool.
1: <laughs> How much older are they than you?
2: About fifteen years. Oh, yeah,
1: that's yeah. substantial.
2: So addiction
0: runs on his side as well. Yeah. It's good. you had that knowledge early, right? Like yeah. you, you have to, I didn't, I didn't have any of that knowledge till I was much older that it ran rampant on both sides of my
1: yeah. family. I was thinking so, that that's the benefit of the open adoption, knowing these things, your history.
2: Yes. Yeah. And well, it's also interesting. My birth mother is adopted. So oh. I, I, don't
1: uh, I
0: had that too. So she,
2: sure. I, I was going to ask, did like, she must've had some
0: childhood stuff, you know, that led to the addiction, but then there you go. That answered.
2: Yeah. Did she ever find her, yeah. you know, her, her sister was also adopted, but it was different than others. Who weren't Okay. Yeah. It was her adoptive family. Was that a, a rough ride for her? It's hard to say because the sister that I, my aunt, that I still talk to, I think it's hard for her to go to that place also. Yeah. So. I feel like if I really sat down with her and be like, listen, like, I really want to understand more where I'm coming from, you know, and I think it would help me to see where you're like, what your childhood was, was like. I think she'd be open to talking to me about it. So,
1: well, yeah. you're doing things like this podcast and these conversations. I have a feeling they're all going to come in time because it's a lot. You're also raising children. Yeah. And so it's a lot to, and you're probably trying to process like being a parent with what you've gone through. I'm guessing.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think also my son looks just like me, and I look uh-huh. just like like that's really. I was kind of, I really wanted a daughter, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, oh, well, that's the only way that my kid will look like me is if she's a girl, you know. <laughs> but uh, sure enough, you know, my boy looks just like me.
0: Mine too. He, I looked exactly like my birth mother, and then now he looks just like me.
2: I can't describe the feeling of having okay. some like no. Him. Yes, so like, we understand. <laughs> I'm sure you do. And it's, it's like, I'm not used to talking to people like adoptees. So like, it's, it's yeah. just. Really
0: cool. it's like, do you, have you joined any other like adoptee groups or anything?
1: No, no she's um, adoptees supporting adoptees. Oh, I just joined that and sent Sarah an invite. Like I'm late oh, to the know. game on that Did one. I join it? I don't know. It's like a good
2: one, like 20,000. Yeah, there's like 20,000 in there.
1: I'm sure there's an
0: adoptees
2: connect in your area. I haven't really thought to join any groups like that. And so, I, so
0: having yeah. been armed with all this information, knowing both sides of your your adoptive and your biological family, I think to some extent that must I can understand how confusing and simultaneously, yeah, enraging, but also grateful that you know I'm sure those those are a lot of swimming emotions. I'm I'm assuming some things here. Did you? at some point go, you know what? I know I'm connecting the dots here and I should, maybe I need some help. Have you taken any kind of route that way?
2: No, I haven't. So I guess I'll give you another piece of information. I ended up when I was, oh gosh, 27, I lived with my biological father and his wife Oh, for about two or three years. And I got to see more of what he was like, you know, and, and who's to say what made me want to do that, but they welcomed me with open arms and it was probably the best couple years of my life up until this point. And, um,
1: Oh, that's so great. Yeah. That's really okay. cool to hear.
2: I had a lot of freedom. Like I was able to, you know, I, I taught myself some guitar and just had a, a lot of time to think to myself and it was a uh,
1: healing time.
2: Yeah. 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 Are definitely. you still close to them? Yeah. Yeah. So I go to see them maybe once every six months. I try.
1: I have a question about this. So does your, your son now he's young, he's just kindergarten ish age preschool. Does he have, so he understands he has two grandparents, your adopted dad's still alive. Yes. So does he get the whole, like, how are you doing with that? The balancing of these families for him? (laughs) It's a this, hard question. This
2: is me busy trying not to cry right now. I feel like uh, every time, um, sorry, the air just kicked on. Hopefully, the noise is still okay. No, that's um, fine. So, yeah, every time for some reason, every anytime my adopted dad gets brought up, I get really emotional. Mm. Our relationship. Yeah, I mean he's the nicest, <laughs> nicest person, and also the quietest person I probably ever met. So uh, it's really hard to talk to him about things, but we're you know just recently starting to get together for lunch and stuff here and there. But yes, yeah. you know, so back to my son, he, it's a little harder for him to comprehend things. All he, I mean, he has met my biological dad and he's heard me talk about my biological mom. And I think he's still kind of, it's hard for him to understand the whole adoption thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's young. I mean, my son had step grandparents and grandparents, mm-hmm. you know, little kids, they just kind of I embrace, don't know whoever and you don't those conversations aren't even they're too abstract at this point I think but you made me emotional talking about your I have a similar like with my adoptive father quiet Mm -hmm. and I get that and yeah the longing for something that maybe can't quite materialize is tough what about your adoptive mom That's (laughs)
1: a hard.
2: (laughs) Yes, I don't get as emotional talking about her because I feel like there's been some. We just had a really rocky relationship since I was a preteen. Like with her, she was always the one that made all the decisions, and she kind of ran the household. I feel like my dad was probably like her other child, passive. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, so passive, and and she was passive aggressive, like (laughs) extremely Mm. passive aggressive. And I think I always found myself standing up for my dad as much as I could when I was growing up. So I was always so defensive of him because he's just the sweetest person on earth, and my mom is just so she's a lot
1: a force to be reckoned with.
2: (laughs) Yeah, again, a great you know a great heart, a great person. But I'm 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 sure she's had her stuff growing up. You know, we all we all can blame it on our parents. (laughs) Yeah, are they still together? They're still together. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we're products, right? We're products of so many things. It's nice of you. You have a lot of grace, which is, you know, it's heavy, some of this.
0: So when you reached out to us, you mentioned that you were now in a place where you're starting to say, would it have been better had I not Mm -hmm. been adopted? Which I think every adoptee feels at some point or thinks about questions. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. So how are you doing with that? It helps and it doesn't help that my wife is a therapist. So she's kind of (laughs) Uh, good good and bad in that. I can imagine. Yeah. Come to a lot of feelings that I wasn't aware of before and come to a lot of trauma. Like she's the one that actually brought to my attention that trauma. I mean, that adoption is a trauma and that even if you're adopted at a day or two old, like there's still that, you know, you're still missing something. I mean, it's, you know, you grew inside this person for nine months and I think I can't remember if I heard of Primal Wound from your podcast. Mm-hmm. I think I probably did, but it was really hard to read. Like I found yeah. it maybe 20 or 30 pages in. I was like, Oof, I got to take a break from this book because it just hit. I mean, I found me crying on about every page and just feeling for my birth mom and feeling for the child that I was, Yeah. You know.
1: Mm-hmm. Sarah and I went through this too. It was a hard time to get through that for the podcast, you know, it affected us greatly. So I can, I like that it's good and bad that your wife's a therapist. Cause it's like, okay.
0: <laughs> well, what's encouraging
1: for me to yes. hear is that
0: she is saying, look, relinquishment yes. is trauma because it was not, ever. it still isn't even any, any therapist I ever had nope. barely touched on that trauma. It wasn't talked about, taught. So it's really encouraging to hear that. That
1: Yeah, most really- of our guests that have been to therapy have said to their therapist, I'm adopted, nothing. And they're like, okay, move on next. This It is yeah. good to hear.
2: Yeah, I feel like the same with me. I feel like even as a teenager, when I had to see, I it was probably a psychiatrist at the time because I was put on some like ADHD medication. So I mm-hmm. had the to, to talk to and it was just never even talked about really. Like, I don't remember it being the focus and it should have been the focus. Absolutely. It it's
0: it's the most important moment of our lives. I mean, it it truly it is. is the most important moment of our lives to be separated from our mothers.
1: Yeah. Well, Sarah and I have these off-camera, obviously, conversations, knowing each other as we do. And I was telling her recently, I've had these nightmares and dreams coming back a little bit. But remembering, I went to a psychiatrist for night terrors. It was a bit... No one thought about that I mean it's just I never ever linked it until just a couple weeks ago and we're how long into this podcast right all of a sudden I'm like oh hello but you think parents would say oh something is going on here (laughs) nobody you know so it is nice to see
0: even though that information has been it has out there and available like some of the books we've read that you know yes that way back in the 40s 50s, 30s, they they knew how they bad did. it was to separate a child from its mother.
2: But yet, you know, other <laughs> motivations took place. Yeah. So what we were saying about how like I'm dealing with wondering if I would have been better off. I have, you know, of course, mixed feelings about it and so many emotions involved, but I think part of what made me start to feel that way was my musical journey. And I feel like my birth family, if I had been raised with my birth family, drugs aside, <laughs> like if I had been raised by my birth family, if I had actually expressed my musical interest, if it had been more supported than it was in my adoptive family. And I, growing up, I, I mean, I love to sing. And growing up, it was <laughs> maybe not on purpose, but I feel like it just wasn't as. It just wasn't. It wasn't your artistic yeah. abilities weren't nurtured.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't had in their wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Nobody even noticed that I had any kind of creative abilities, or much less nurture them. But
2: yeah, my both adopted parents. I mean, my mom has done some like scrapbooking here and there, and like she, you started crocheting. I think more to deal with like anxieties that she was having, but growing up, I didn't see them, my mom or my dad doing anything creative. It was always work, 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 me doing homework, 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 homework. And that was pretty much it. It's like, yeah, okay, homework to get to college. And that's what, that's what it is. And like nothing outside of that kind of. Yeah. Do you still talk to her? My adopted mom. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> in the sense that she watches my son from time to time and it's, very surface level, we don't talk any about anything beyond that. It's really, really hard to talk to her about a lot of things, because I feel yeah. judged. I feel judged all the time.
1: Mm, yeah, that's not a good it's the feel. worst feeling:
2: Yeah, and with you know, going back to my birth mom, I never once felt judged by her, and you no. know, even if she wasn't with it all the time, I still knew I could tell her anything, and I would be loved no matter what. and I, I can't say the same about my adopted mom. You have an interesting
1: perspective here, having the sliding doors that you can see into, you know, because I feel when I'm with my biological mom's side, I feel very free about who I am. I can say anything, do anything. It's not silly. It's not, you know, and I did have some judgment myself a little bit for sure. And so just hearing that, I would never know my, I didn't know my biological mom, she's dead, but it's interesting that you can see into these windows and then wonder, you know, I would stay up late. Wondering if I knew all these things that you know. (laughs) It's interesting. It sounds
0: like this is your kind of adoption journey, if you will, or the Mm -hmm. recognition of the pain is just kind of beginning. You're at the beginning of the road. Yes. So I'm glad you found us and I'm glad you came on the podcast and I'm glad you're starting this. And I just want to tell you, you know, whatever comes up, please feel free to reach out to us and talk to us anytime because. Yes. I yeah. can sense your rawness and your
1: pain. And Sarah's right about the community, like reach out. I saw some adoptees the other day and a woman said, Oh my gosh, this is so great. You know, and she's been in it for a while to talk to other adoptees. And I'm sure there's besides Facebook, there's groups. It's nice in person. Yeah, We're I'm lucky right. we have each other, but you have us too. As Sarah said, really, yeah. truly, we mean that.
0: Yeah, because it, you know, it might not be appropriate to go to your wife for therapy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I might go to your wife for therapy.
2: (laughs) On the other hand, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Sarah and I have been looking. (laughs) Yeah, she's just, I feel really lucky, really lucky. That is so great
0: that you you are able to have a great relationship with a caring, nurturing person and have your son and, you know, you have a lot of. Good a stuff. Lot. And you're starting this journey much earlier than many of us do. And so you've got to leg up on that. So,
1: and this yeah. is going to be good for others to hear. You know, there's other people like you out there listening.
2: Yeah. And if anyone wanted to reach out to me, I'd be more than willing to talk or share or whatever it is. I'm really grateful for my situation as well. Like just in my family, I know I feel like it's our job as parents to do a better job than our parents mm-hmm.
1: did. Yeah, And
2: I, I really believe that we are doing a better job than both of our parents. And I'm just glad that our children have a safe space at all times. And it, it just, that feels good to me. So I feel good about that at least. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, it's thank a,
1: you
0: so yeah. much for coming on. And we had to reschedule a couple of times. So <laughs> I'm really grateful we finally made it happen.
2: Yeah, me too. It's just
0: that You you have a great
2: energy about it. You really do. It's, really it's healing, healing for, for us. That. I'm really grateful that I stumbled upon the podcast and it's been really healing. And I think I mentioned on Facebook, I was it Louise. I think that was in the mentioned something in the, that both of you just have such a warm heart and like, I just feel totally safe. And I just listening to other people share their stories. I, I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to get on and do that. Like it just, it felt totally right. Thank um, you. And And
1: and thank you for saying that to others too. Like in the group that I wasn't a part of that, I just invited Sarah to, it was really neat to see another adoptee told me to look at that and it was, it's really nice because yeah, it makes me emotional. We put a lot of work into it and we care. And this is like our healing. I was telling you today, you know, we all have these hurried weekends, but when Sarah and I are together doing this, this is healing for us too. So
2: Feel like I just had a therapy session. So, yeah. <laughs> <Us>. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> you're bringing up my maternal feelings for some
1: reason. Oh, me too. Yeah, we're definitely going to stay in touch with you. By the
0: way, I had your same haircut when I was like it's like great. 20. Yeah. So easy, <laughs> so,
1: <right? laughs> no, it was so, so easy.
0: And I just, yeah. When I was that age, I'm like, I'm done with hair and I just shaved it off. And then I walked into a restaurant. It was in New York. And this guy's like, Hey, do you want a job? Cause he liked my haircut.
2: Like, <laughs> <Awesome>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of opportunities can come from this haircut. It like, really
1: can. Yeah. <laughs> super cool. That's yeah. great. All
0: right. Well, well, please stay in touch with us and please. we'll see you on social media and all of that stuff. And and stay in time beyond.
1: Mm-hmm. You want to talk, reach out.
2: Yes, thank you. I will thank for you, sure. Ruby.
1: Okay. Oh, yeah. Thank you.
2: Your weekends. You too. You too. Bye. Thank Bye. You.
0: What a soulful person Rivy is. she really mm-hmm. evoked a lot of emotions in me.
1: We were both deeply affected by that interview. And I know something about she's very raw and vulnerable um, she was
0: very very well she's at the beginning of her journey in this realm really
1: but i hope other open adoptees are listening and maybe can connect i mean yes form a community if anybody wants to connect through us we'll connect you so
0: yes definitely reach out to us if you want to reach out to rivi
1: yeah Well, this has been really great. So what do we say?
0: Well, you know what we say, Louise? (laughs) We say another great episode. Another great episode. See you next time. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening today.
1: And remember, if you'd like to share your stories or suggest any guests for our show, you can find us on all the socials at The Making of Me Podcast.
0: And again, we have a Patreon page so that we can continue to bring these great adoption stories to you. So if you want to find that and donate or contribute in any way, find us at patreon.com searching adoption colon the making of me. Bye. See you next time.